0: Welcome to Mama Talk Talks a different take a podcast where everyday people around the globe share a different take on everyday issues I'm your host Ebi Mambo and I'm pleased you're joining us today welcome Hi Akshata
1: Hey hi Abi how have you been
0: Great great thank you so much for joining the show today how are you In good a uh, lazy sunday so far and how have you been so far I've been mean, good. It's so refreshing to be having this conversation with someone who's actually in the same country as me. Most guests are not in Singapore. So this is nice.
1: Yes, it's nice to be on the show. Thanks for having me and giving me this chance to just voice out what I wanted to share.
0: Absolutely. And that's what this show is all about, of course, is bringing diverse perspectives from people and parts of the world that we actually don't get to hear about often. So I'm really glad that you're here with us. So I will first start off by, in addition to welcoming you to the show, to give whatever kind of introduction you want to give of yourself to the audience.
1: Okay, uh, my name is Akshita. I, I'm, I work as a finance manager with an insurance company. So I've been in Singapore for almost 13 years now. My marriage lasted like 12 and a half years and I've been recently divorced. And I just wanted to share my views of about the social stigma, the subtle social stigma that still exists in our modern societies towards divorces and
0: single parents. Thank you for that. I know it is not the easiest thing to talk about, but I think it's such an important topic because, again, marriage is viewed as sacrosanct in most of our communities and, and rightfully so. But I think sometimes there's this dark side of it, which is if you for whatever reason, have to end your marriage. Or, you know, in some instances, if your partner decides to end your marriage, mm-hmm. especially as a woman, you're just kind of stuck in it. So what has your experience been?
1: Uh, see, there's nothing called as a perfect marriage anywhere. But I have learned that I'd rather light a candle and find a way out rather than sit and keep cursing the darkness, you
0: know. Oh, uh, I like how you put some, that.
1: Yeah, and sometimes... People feel there is strength in holding on and hanging in there. But uh, trust me, it sometimes takes much more strength to you know to let go and move on. And when a person has made that difficult choice, I think we as a society need to respect that person's choice to move on and not, not try to attach a stigma to it. Because uh, I come from a regular middle class family and uh, what I've seen around me for the last couple of months is uh what i would like to share and help to see if that doesn't happen to others in my situation yeah i feel that when there's a somebody rich or powerful chooses divorce it's like you know their wealth or their power adds credibility to their stand but when a common middle class person chooses divorce We as a society sometimes don't attach the same credibility to their experience and feelings, which is as real as any other rich or powerful person. See, divorce essentially needs to be crossed through by those individuals involved. It takes two to make a happy marriage, and it takes the same two to make a divorce. So even if you have kind of family support, well-wishers supporting you, the actual terrain needs to be passed by those individuals and it's not easy. So I think we as a society need to be a little more open, lend them an open ear and an empathetic ear when they want to share their feelings, when they want to vent out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean because obviously the situation that the person going through divorce is facing would be much more drastic than anybody who's in a happier marriage.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Perhaps the people in comfortable marriages may not have even imagined or heard of such a situation, of of a possibility of such a situation in marriage. So when the person going through divorce wants to share his or her feeling or experience, I think the least we should do is not look at them as if they're talking something out of this world or, or talking out of imagination. Yeah. Because... It takes a lot for them to come out and share those experiences which are like hidden deep inside the comfort of their hearts. Trust me, it's not that they're trying to share to ask for some favor or cling on to us for some favor. But then, as I said, it's a lonely battle between the individuals. Yes. There's nothing much the society can do about it other than just give them the ear when they want to talk about it. Yeah. So when when they're trying to do that, you know, I face situations where people suddenly try to change the topic of conversation or, or just stay silent. There's no yes or no nothing in the conversation. And then you're telling the other person clearly that you're either not trusting what that person is trying to share or you don't want to be part of that conversation. We don't have to say a yes always. We could say no if we don't agree to any point, but say something. Yeah. So that, yeah, otherwise the other person, by saying something, you're telling the person that you're least listening to them. You may sometimes feel, you know, that silence is civilized, but silence, trust me, can be very unempathetic to people who want to share, who want to speak. So at yeah. Least, yeah, do you feel...
0: I'm really keen to understand this because as someone who's unfortunately had to go through divorce myself, it can be a very isolating experience and it's it's quite removed from the wedding day right where yes. it's in both our cultures you're Indian by heritage and I'm African by heritage but on the wedding day, it's a day of joy and celebration and everybody's a part of that celebration. And then fast forward how many ever years down the road, you get divorced and it tends to just be you two. Yes, it yes out. just two, yes. So the contrasting pictures of those two days, is very yes. different. When you talk specifically about people not wanting to have the conversation, for example, what do you think that's about? I uh,
1: yeah. I, as coming from an Indian background, as I said, I understand the patriarch setup that is kind of very deeply rooted. And it's not that it's the same now. It's definitely getting more open and liberalized. But, you know, the remnants of that patriarch still shows in our views. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to kind of give you a context of why I think this behavior happens, uh, just to give you kind of a background to it. So like back home it's believed that probably when divorce happens it's usually the husband giving divorce to the wife and sending her back to her parents for whatever reasons he's not happy with her. Yeah. When the news of my divorce went to people back home my parents were like subject to questions like oh so what has your daughter done or not done Uh... to get a divorce and then I've been really lucky to have very supportive parents. They were brave enough to say that she did not get a divorce, she asked for divorce. And then there's a 180 degree change in view. It baffles people even more. Yes, and then they say like, oh, then she's a homebreaker. Why couldn't she keep the home together? Uh... I feel, I mean, that's like quite not so subtle there. But then the subtler effects of the same mindset happens in societies here as well. Where, you know, I and my son stop getting invited to birthday parties to get
0: togethers. Really? Did people think that he could catch? He could, like, contaminate their kids with divorce? Why? Why is that? I, I mean, I could
1: sense... The, a kind of a feeling among the men that you know the other women in the circle would get influenced to take strongest stance if oh. I'm part of the circle. Mm. So that's kind of quite a visible change that happened after divorce. I don't know is it a kind of guilt that is making them feel that the woman would take a stronger stand then they need to introspect that but then you're know, visually bringing in that disparity in your social setup. And I, as an adult, can see your point of view. I can see your apprehension. But why are we subjecting kids to such disparity where the kids are not being invited or yeah. how together we get together? Yeah. It's a very such sad situation. So I think that's the mindset behind it, saying that, okay, she's going to rub across her idea, yeah. kind of cause a rebellion or whatever. It's not a social rebellion that's going to start each one to their own situation you yeah,
0: know yeah it's yeah yeah it's not
1: something that can be continuously done it's not contagious so each one of us needs to look at our own situation our own criteria our own parameters and take our own stance
0: i couldn't yeah, agree it's not more. a
1: coronavirus
0: <laughs> yeah i couldn't agree more i mean it's not a virus there's a part of it where If we've all been traveling in the same direction for a long time, which is the direction of marriage, come hail or shine, and someone suddenly steps out, I think it throws off the cadence, right? For some people, it kind of throws off the the cadence. But my wish, more than anything else, is instead of punishing them, it's an opportunity to ask, what made you step out? What wasn't working for you? Because... I've never seen people being successfully and happily punished back into line, right? It just doesn't work that way. A friend of mine once said, have you ever convinced somebody by telling them they're wrong? And I thought, yeah, I've never heard that. In very real terms, when you talk about social stigma, can you describe what you've witnessed, what you felt, how you've been treated, just in really concrete terms? What kind of examples of things have you experienced?
1: I, yeah, as I said, it's those silences during talks, you know. We've been good friends for many years. We've shared many things. But now suddenly when we're sharing this, there's a silence in the room. There's no response from the other side. But, and that silence can be biting.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: That stops me from wanting to share because I'm sharing it out of a lot of pain behind it. So, uh, yeah, the silence is one. And as I said... The get-togethers, the parties, the visible drop in being part of them is, is definitely yeah part of, of these experiences. Yeah,
0: Is the silence perhaps informed by the fact that people just don't know what to say? Could that be part
1: of it? See, that's the thing. If, I, if a person is sharing something, it doesn't mean he wants you to agree or disagree or stand by or support or do anything at all. Just have an open mind and hear it out. That's all that you can ever do in that conversation. So when they go back to their homes or back to their lives, there's nothing much anybody can do. It's not the situation. It is those two individuals who have to cross through it. So I don't know if that awkward silence is because they're not sure what to say. It's more of we've never been familiar with such situations. Yeah. So we're not even sure if what you're saying holds or makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think another part of it is they could be common friends, you know. They're friends so I was of just me gonna and yep. ex-powers. So it's, I think they're conscious that if they say something in support of me, if they will be offending the other party. Yeah. Like, but I've been like quite expressive in the terms that, I'm not saying it to you because I want you to support me or I don't want you to take any stand because it's not fair to take a stand by listening to any one of the parties, definitely. It has to be an open communication between two parties if you ever want to take a stand. So that there's no need for you to take a stand. All you have to do is just acknowledge the feeling of the person when they're expressing. That's it. You don't have to say you agree. You don't have to... Take a stand to support on anything at all. Just hear.
0: Yeah. If I'm listening to you carefully enough, it sounds like what you're asking is to be heard more than anything else.
1: There's it, really nothing that anybody can do to that situation. And as I said, it's a lonely battle between those two individuals. They have to cross the terrain themselves. It's nothing much a third party can come in and change the situation too. Because if the situation has reached there, it's because of the long journey that's behind it. Yeah. So suddenly a third party coming to reconcile doesn't really make a big difference. So all we we need to do is just hear out and acknowledge the way a person is feeling just for the way he's feeling or she's feeling. Not because you think it's right or wrong.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that... I mean, isolation is probably the hardest part of that journey. What have you found to be helpful for you in in coping with isolation? Because I know one of the things that marriage does, uh, divorce does, which I didn't really see coming, is it rearranges your social group. (laughs) Yes. In a way. And in most parts of Africa, especially West Africa, we say that when you get married to a person, you marry their family as well. And so when you're very, very close to your partner's family, it can be a really difficult thing because you want to maintain those relationships which in and of themselves may actually survive the marriage. Yes. But then there's also that kind of awkwardness, for lack of a better phrase, where how can I be close to your parents but we're not together? It's almost a redrawing of the lines and a reassessment of the relationships. What has that been like for you, just this kind of question of mutual friends or family and having to redesign your social circle?
1: That's a very good question, actually. I would, you know, for me, an ideal situation is we divorce as husband and wife and not as parents. You would never be able to separate as parents of the child. So it would be good for me if we can still keep a cordial relationship between us as well as the families involved. Yeah. It's not, we're not divorcing because we hate each other or whatever. It's just that we may not be compatible to each other's energies. There's nothing wrong with that. So there's no personal grudge or hatred that needs to be carried. That for me would have been an ideal situation. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way in many cases because, as I said, the patriarch is so deeply rooted that sometimes they can't take the fact that the woman has stood up and asked for a divorce. So he's like, How can I be dumped with a divorce? So how how is my son being dumped with a divorce? That kind of view where unfortunately the relationships have been completely cut off from the other side. Yeah. But it, that's an unfortunate situation, but ideally I would have been very happy if the cordial friendship stayed between me and the ex-pouse as well as the family.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate because children get caught in it and you do the best you can. I mean, we, we really just do the best we can, don't we? True. Um In terms of the isolation, do you find that your son understands what's happening or doesn't quite?
1: I think I've been lucky that way. He's... Uh, he suddenly becomes so much more responsible and mature in the situation than any kid of a 10 years age would be. So He is completely because he's been part of the not so pleasant atmosphere at home. Mm. He's seen the uh, unpleasantness in the relationship. So now he sees a more peaceful and happier position. Oh, the father is more Peaceful full and the mother is more happy. So he can see the difference in the situation and he's kind of prefers this than to stay together and not have a happy family. So he's suddenly grown up a couple of years ago when they still dis- considered divorce. So the first question he asked me then was like, but everybody has mama and papa. Why should I not have mama and yes. papa? Yeah, but now the situation is that I have a happier mama and a happier papa. That's good enough for me. What if they don't stay together? So I can see that the, the maturity in him, like in a couple of years.
0: Yeah, that question broke my heart. Yes. Because, you know, my, my son asked me that, mommy, but other people have mommy and daddy. Why yes. not me? And having to talk a child through that is such a difficult thing because. In their world and in, in the society in which we live, they've grown up with almost just a singular version of what a family unit looks like. So to have to be in some ways, some of their classes, for example, the pioneer of this new dynamic, it's not something that they're ready for, right? And I understand it because they didn't ask for it. You know, it's it's also just every day I just wake up and hope he's happy, he's healthy. And I can be there. And one thing I don't try to do is be his father and his mother. So this is shifting us a bit to the single parenting dynamic now. I can only be a mom, but I know every child needs their father or a fatherly figure. So how are you navigating that space? That would have been an
1: ideal space for me as well. That would be something that, you know, not put so much pressure on me, but... Unfortunately the the bond is physically separated because my husband is relocated to another country. So there's not much of regular meetings that would happen with my son. So I kind of have to pick up the role of the man of the house and the woman of the house as yeah. well. So I, I've never been in I've been never been into this technical part of the housing. But now, like, if I be the middle-class person, if I try to engage a contractor or serviceman for everything, I'll end up paying so much more money. So, like, I've kind of gotten used to rolling up my sleeve, picking up my toolbox, fixing the leaking tab, fixing his bicycle brakes, talking to bullies who are bullying him. You know, you just have to get yourself into doing that. Yeah, yeah. And I can see that my son is noticing this effort of mine And he's trying to become the man of the house too soon. He's trying to take up more responsibilities than a child of his age could take up. And then I told him, we had a talk and we told him that, no, it's okay. I can manage it. So you don't have to stress yourself to take on the role of being the man of the house. So it's fine. Mama can manage as much as she can. But if you can be a little more sensitive to support her in any small ways, that's
0: all that can be. Done from your side, you don't have to take too much burden on your heart. There's so many amazing nuggets you've shared there. The fact that you can talk to him so directly is yes. amazing. And I found that, and you know, for my son, I think the transition wasn't so difficult because mm-hmm. his father is in the military, so he was gone for long stretches of time mm-hmm. anyway, long before we ever got a divorce. So he was used to that. I think the finality of the divorce kind of hit, really hit him because, you know, there's not a time when Dara is coming home. But I found that I could have really transparent conversations with my son. I had to peg it to the right age because I'm careful about not burdening them with things that I don't want to weigh him down with. But I found that I could be very candid with him and tell him, okay, so I don't know how to change the tire. It might take mommy a bit longer. <laughs> Right. And I remember when we lived in the U.S., I remember we had a snowstorm and the driveway was just about four or five inches covered with snow. And I had to take him to, I had to go to work the next day and take him to daycare. So that night he watched me like shovel snow off the driveway and he was so used to seeing his dad do that. So he couldn't quite reconcile that. I use it as a platform to talk to him about the importance of cooking, of men cooking, and just having life skills, because it's not all the time that someone else is going to come save you, right? And I said to him, if you never want to get married, you're going to have to cook for yourself, right? You're going to have to know how to shovel snow. It doesn't apply now that we live in Singapore. But for me, that was the platform to start teaching him about how to learn to be self-sufficient, so have you found that with your son, that you're able to just talk to him in a way that perhaps you didn't have to before?
1: I don't think the way I talk to him has changed because I've, been, I've always had that in my mind to keep my communication channels to them very open. Luckily, that's what I had with my parents. So we as a family were very closely born to each other where every evening each of us comes back from our school, college, work, whatever, we sit together and each one talks what happened to them throughout the day, right from what they ate, what somebody said, how they felt, everything. We used to just, it was like a thing to do every evening. That's awesome. So I've made sure I've had that kind of bonding with my son right from very child, a very early age. So every day, from he back to from his school, I back from my office, we just sit and talk what happened during the day, right from the smallest of instances. So I think that that the process of keeping that communication door open made it, has made it a lot easier. Yeah, the topics I talked to could have changed now. It, it's more mature now, but that ease of being able to say anything to him and he being able to say anything or ask anything to me has been open for many years now but yeah. that's that's a deliberate effort that we made from, from childhood
0: and how have you seen yourself kind of change in this process think about actually two years ago for example and the woman who's emerged in the last few months what are some of the things about you that have changed maybe even to your own surprise if any
1: I must humbly say that I've impressed myself. <laughs> <laughs> I can say.
0: Yeah, I want to hear more.
1: <laughs> yeah, I as a person was a very uh, submissive person. I would never say what my preference was, even in the smallest of things. Like if I wanted to eat this and if my husband wanted to eat that, I would say, OK, let's eat that. I would never even bring up my choice of saying, mm, this is what I like, that's what I don't like. Mm-hmm. I've always been very accommodating. It's just because I don't like confronting, even at the slightest of uh, situation. Yeah. Like, I would always accommodate and say, yeah, it's fine, let's go on. So, the person who started that way, so I, I mean, prior to my marriage, my mom used to be my voice. So, she used to say, no, she doesn't like it, don't give her that. So, yeah. I would never say that to my, for myself. And post-marriage for, I could be honest to say that initially my husband was my voice. Like he used to talk for me of what I want and what I don't want. But unfortunately, the the developments have been such that now I need to stand as strong as I can to voice my, my rights. You know, if the wife or the daughter in me had to take this choice of divorce, I would have taken it years ago. But it's the woman in me who really tried hard to keep things together, keep things tied together. Yeah. And now if the divorce happened, it's because the mother in me would not let this marriage to affect the child anymore at any cost. Because I could yeah. see that the child was getting affected by the unpleasantness at home, so that he would either grow up with bitterness towards how the father was treating the mother, or he would grow up thinking it's okay to treat a woman like that, yes. and none of these are good for him. So I kind of felt a responsibility towards the women that my son may have to deal with in future in any role, that he treats them with dignity and respect.
0: Yeah,
1: You know, the innumerable um, cases of domestic violence is perhaps a result of what the child has seen or experienced growing up. Yeah. So it was very important for me to ingrain in him from childhood that you know, mutual respect is the foundation for any relationship. And without that, the relationship would not sustain. So yeah, I could see myself like a 360 degree change in my personality, but I was quite impressed of how strong I could
0: stand and see this through from what you describe actually that even the fact that you can say you're impressed with yourself it's a phrase that has taken you years to actually get there to be able to say that and i just i just love it because a lot of times especially in a professional setting i have this conversation with, with friends and peers a lot about how women on average are not very good at self-promotion or even acknowledging our own skills and our talents, and the fact that a lot of us suffer from imposter syndrome. So being able to say, you know, you're proud with, or you're impressed with yourself with how you've gotten through this is amazing. But then there's something also really beautiful about some of the things you said, which was, is the mother in me that really made that decision. And I'm taken back to how our children sometimes can kickstart change in us. That by ourselves, we never would have actually done, would have just kept on dealing with situations that were not good for us.
1: Oh, very true. That's what his face, uh, his expression, his, his, I could feel what he was feeling when he saw this at home. And then I said, no, this is a toxic environment for any child to grow up. Yeah. How could I let my child to grow up in this kind of environment? Then I said, no, that's it.
0: Yeah.
1: I couldn't let that happen at any cost.
0: So for women who are going through something like this, and not just women, actually, anybody, because I don't find that it's easier for men necessarily, right? Because we're all emotional creatures. What would you say to anyone who is facing divorce and who's coming up against a lot of opposition? Is there any kind of words of advice or consolation or support or lessons that you want to share with them?
1: Yes, definitely, yes. There's one thing that has uh, very clearly helped me sail through this, has helped Rishi, my son, sail through this, is the practice of yoga. So uh, we've been practicing this uh, yoga for over five, six years now, and my son has also been doing it for a couple of years. So it has given me an anchor. Otherwise. Me being the sentimental and emotional person I was, I would have drifted away in the storm. There was no way I would stand my ground. But yoga is not just about posture or breathing, you know. It's it's a way of connecting, you know, plugging yourself into that source of energy, infinite source of energy, which will give you a strong anchor to stand the storm. If I could plead everybody to do some form of yoga as part of their routine, it would really make a difference to them in the long term.
0: And what is it about yoga in particular that made such a difference for you? Because you said it's not just about the breathing or the posture. So so at its core, what is it that gave you that anchor you needed? It's
1: an experience that needs to be felt. So when, when you get into that habit or when you get into a mode of yoga, you can feel that the energy within you is connecting effortlessly to the energy of the, of the cosmos. It, it's the same energy, and then the energy there is infinite, and you can see the same infinite power flowing in through you. And and then you have you can confidently say, "Yes, I can sail through this. Mm-hmm. Bring it on!" It's more of like, "Bring it on!" Yeah. it's coming? Yeah. You know, it gives you that kind of courage. So I don't think it can be described in a way it definitely needs to be experienced. So I would urge if everyone could experience at least a drop of that kind of spirituality in their life. Nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with anything else. It's just how you connect to the infinite source of energy and then you draw from it and that sustains you.
0: So before we go, I do want to, to clarify something because I don't want the point you just made to be misunderstood. Which is, it's not that yoga gives people the strength to have a divorce. If I'm understanding you, it is the strength to actually connect with who you are at your core and at your essence so you can let go of things that are not serving that person that's at your core. Did I get that right? Is that what you were yes, going? Uh, okay.
1: exactly. I think you could have put it clearer. clearer. So uh, it's more of what needs to be done now it gives you the energy to do it. If we think out of the brain, out of the social parameters, out of the emotional parameters, you know, there may be many things that they pressurize you, say, if I do this, then they would say that, they would think that, they would feel that, and yeah. all of that. Yeah. But it's the yoga that gives you a clear vision of what is right to be done for this given situation. And then it gives you the strength to do that.
0: Okay. I just wanted to clarify that because I can see how it could be easily misinterpreted. Yes. Yes. So I wanted to make sure you had a chance to clarify your point. Actually, I know that this is not the easiest topic to talk about. Having been through that myself, I know it's not pleasant to talk about. It's almost like relieving it. So I do want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing that and for sharing a part of yourself. With us, yeah at Mama talked a different takes, so thank you again. And please, please, please come back to share some of your wisdom with us.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, A.B, for having me. I really wanted to say this so that, you know, if I can lend a voice to anybody, even if a single person out there, then I would think my struggle would have been worth it. because you know, I, I strongly believe it's like. If you're in grade one, you don't get to solve a grade 10 problem, you know? If you're getting a grade 10 problem, that only means that you have the ability to solve that and rise I above like it. I like that. I like
0: that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So that's all I want to say to anybody who's in a difficult situation. It's coming to us because we can rise above it. So just know when to take a stand, whatever the stand could be for your own situation. Just know when to take a stand. Just know when to know, you know, when to assess if you're knocking at a door or at the wall. You should know when to take the stand and move on or whatever situation you're in. So just between two people.
0: Wonderful. Again, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, we'll we'll see you again sometime in the future.
1: Thank you so much for having me and letting me share. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome to Mama Talk Talks a different take a podcast where everyday people around the globe share a different take on everyday issues I'm your host Abi Mambo and I'm pleased you're joining us today welcome